0: Good morning. It is so good to be back with you, folks. I always enjoy the opportunities of coming and sharing God's word with you. And this morning is certainly not an exception to that. I always enjoy being with you, always enjoy the wonderful music that I know I'm going to hear when I get here in the presence of the Lord. And we're thankful for the Lord's presence this morning and help already in the service but he's not finished with us yet. He still wants to work and move among us. Thank you, Pastor Tony, for the invitation to come and share this pulpit again, and thank you for being here. If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me, if you will, to the book of Joshua, book of Joshua, chapter number 5. Joshua, chapter number 5. I've appreciated your all's prayers. I know some of you keep up with us on Facebook and keep up with what's going on in our ministry and our family. And so those of you that do know that about three weeks ago after avoiding it for two and a half years, uh, finally ended up getting COVID and, uh, my dad and I both, I think picked it up from the last camp meeting we were in and, uh, Thank the Lord it was a relatively mild case at that part, but I've had more trouble with post-COVID stuff than I had with the COVID itself. So anyway, I've had some bronchitis that has required some antibiotics, two rounds of, and uh, some steroids and uh, a rib cage. It feels like somebody used it for a punching bag. So I don't know what caused that, but I've been trying to get that cleared up. So I appreciate your continued prayers. This is the uh, first opportunity I've had to preach since that time. And so uh, anyway, I'm glad for the opportunity to get to share God's word now. Joshua chapter 5, we'll pick up the reading at verse number 1. And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side jordan westward, And all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted. Neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives, and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives, and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And it, and this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise all the people that came out of Egypt that were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. For the children of Israel walked 40 years in in the wilderness, So all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord unto whom the Lord sware that he would not show them the land which the Lord sware unto their fathers that he would give us a land that floweth with milk and honey. And their children whom he raised up in their stead Them Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you wherefore the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day let's pray our Father in heaven as we bow before you this morning we thank you Lord for the privilege you've given to us to be here thank you Lord for what you've already done among us the beautiful congregational singing the special songs the children, special. Lord, we thank you. We come to you, Lord, looking for your divine assistance, realizing that we've been called upon to do what we cannot do within our own strength, ability, or intellect. And so once again, we need that fresh unction and anointing from the Holy One. Speak through us as you speak to us. May you be glorified for all that's accomplished In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. It is an exciting time for the people of Israel, especially for Joshua and Caleb. They have finally reached that long-awaited promised land after the 40 years of wilderness wandering when we go back to chapter four, we find out when we read about that crossing there of the Jordan River that got them from the east side of the banks of the Jordan River over to the west side, and now finally they have set foot in the Promised Land. Joshua and Caleb are really thrilled. They have been waiting patiently and. Well, I don't know how patient, but they've been waiting a long time for this opportunity. They were among those 12 spies that had checked it out that we read about in the book of Numbers chapter 11. They were the ones that encouraged the people of Israel, let's go get it. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. We have not only tasted the fruit, but we've even brought back examples of it. Let's go take it. And because the other ten spies gave a negative critical report, aren't you glad that never happens in the church anymore? But anyway, because the other ten gave a negative critical report and they talked about the the giants that were over there and how it made them look like grasshoppers, and, and so they refused to be obedient to the word of the Lord and spent the next 40 years wandering in that wilderness. And now in chapter 5, they finally reach the promised land. And I am pretty sure that Joshua and Caleb are just waiting for a word from the Lord. And I'm pretty sure that after all of this waiting, that what they're anticipating is that the Lord is going to simply say to them, Joshua and Caleb, charge! Go take the land. The victory is there. You can gain new territory, that promised territory that I promised you 40 years earlier. Well, the Lord gives Joshua a command. It's really a one-word command. And it's a one-word command that starts with the letter C. But the word is not charge. The word is circumcised. If I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, say what? Are you kidding me? Why, of all things, why now? And yet, what we're going to see this morning in this passage of scripture is yes, there were a couple in this congregation that were in a place to where they could receive what the Lord had promised. They were ready to go get the land and gain this territory. They were ready to continue to experience the victory. But the problem was, there was a multitude and a host of others who were not ready for that. There was some unfinished business with God's people. And I can't help but wonder, Brother Tony... If that's not the way it is in a lot of our congregations, if there are, thank God for those handful that have been obedient to the Lord, have been walking in the light of God's word, and have been responding in obedience to him, and are ready to gain new territory, are ready to go deeper in the things of God, climb higher in the things of God, and and get that new territory, and they're wanting to charge on into victory. But there are far too many in our congregations That rather than charge on into victory, have some unfinished business. And before we can experience that victory, we need to maybe make up this, uh, take care of this unfinished business. So what's going on here? The Lord told Joshua, I want you to circumcise them again. The second time. Now... Most of us would say, how can that process happen again? How can that process happen a second time? Well, then the Lord goes on to explain what the instructions were. It wasn't the fact that those who had been circumcised were going to be circumcised again. That is an impossibility. But the problem was, there was a whole generation... 40 years old and younger who had not followed through with that commitment, that covenant that God had made with his people. And we first read about that back in the book of Genesis in Genesis chapter 17 you remember that after Genesis 12 when the Lord told Abraham get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house and go to a land that I will show you I will make of thee a great nation I will bless thee and make thy name great and th- indeed thy na- name shall be in all the kingdoms of the world God had made Abraham a promise that all within him All the kings of the world, kingdoms of the world, were going to be blessed. He was going to make him a great nation. And then in Genesis chapter 17, the Lord comes and tells Abraham, and they enter into this act of circumcision or this covenant that God makes with Abraham and Abraham makes with God. And from that moment on, this act was going to be representative of that commitment and that covenant with God. But the problem is, they had not kept their end of the bargain. In fact, as a result of their disobedience, what we read in the book of Numbers chapter 14, that God was so displeased with their disobedience, that in verse number 12, the Lord said, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. That's pretty serious, isn't it? An entire generation is going to be disinherited by God in the wilderness. And at this point in chapter 5 of Joshua, we find out that Joshua and Caleb are the only two men who are above the age of 60 or 80 we find out there above the age of 60, Joshua is about 80, Caleb is about 85, and, and all of their peers and all of their constituents have died in the wilderness because of their disobedience. And the only ones that had survived that are those who were under the age of 20 when they entered into the wilderness. And so that means that the only other men who had survived that are now 60 years old or younger. And the only ones that had been circumcised are those who were between the age of 40 and 60. And so all of those who were uncircumcised were 40 years old and younger. In other words, all of those men who were at the age to serve in the military, were going to be the ones who were going to be circumcised at this time. You say, Brother George, what's the significance of that? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. You're still asking good questions. You keep it up. Well, I'm going to get to that in just a minute, but when we think about why did God require this act of circumcision now? It was going to be, first of all, it was going to be a sign of repentance. It was going to be a sign of repentance. They had been living in disobedience to God and His Word for the last 40 years. I'm going to ask a question, but don't answer it out loud. Are you walking in obedience to God and His Word this morning? Is there anything in His life that He's asked you to do that you've not been doing it? Is there anything that's directed by His Word that you've not been living up to, and yet you still want to try to go on and rush into victory and claim more spiritual territory when you've not been faithful to be obedient to what God has already asked you to do? And so this act of circumcision was going to be a sign of repentance of those 40 years of disobedience to God. I'm reminded when I think about that word obedience, <clears throat> one of the things that comes to my mind is a story that we read in the book of 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, it's the story of where King Saul is king. And they go out and fight this group of people called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were such a wicked group of people who had been among the first to attack the people of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And God is going to bring judgment upon the Amalekites by way of wanting to just take them out. And the command that Saul had been given was that when you go and fight against the Amalekites, I don't want there to be anyone left or anything left. You're not to take any captives. You're not to bring any spoils of war back into the camp. They're to be wiped out. A clean slate here. And so they go out and fight against the Amalekites. And the Lord gives them a wonderful victory. And they come back celebrating this victory. And they're having a big party, a celebration. And and the prophet Samuel comes to them and he's noticing, he's watching as they're having this party and he confronts King Saul, and he says to Saul, Saul, have you been obedient to the Lord? Oh, yes. Look, the Lord is blessing us by giving us this wonderful victory over the Amalekites. You've been obedient? Yes. Really? Well, what's that bleating of the sheep and that lowing of the oxen that I hear for what had happened? is that they did not follow through with the instructions. They brought back spoils of war. They brought back the sheep and the oxen. They brought back other goods. In fact, they even brought back the king of the Amalekites Amalekites, so that they could kind of show off that victory. Saul had been very disobedient. And in this story... Samuel gives these infamous words to Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22 and verse 23 said, behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and hearken than the fat of rams; for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry and because you have rejected the word of the lord he has rejected you from being king do you realize god takes it very serious about us being obedient to his word it is not something that we can just do on our own initiative, take it or leave it, and just kind of ignore it, and then just trust and rely on the blessings of God over, over top of that. They needed to repent. Here is a sign of repentance. In this act of circumcision, it is pretty much saying, Oh God, we are sorry. We now bear the marks of this in our body. We acknowledge we have not been obedient to you in these last 40 years. And an entire generation has died disinherited from God. And by the way, do you see how serious it is to be disinherited by God? You say, they, you couldn't lose it, Brother George. Watch my head. Yes, you can. You can't be disinherited unless you first had an inheritance. Right. Amen, Brother George. Smile, it will be over in a little bit. Anyway, he said, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them. So this call to the circumcision was a call to repentance from the disobedience of the last 40 years. But there's something else about this call to circumcision here. Not only was it going to be a sign of repentance for their disobedience, but it was also going to be a sign of reliance. You know, one of the things we see... about the 40 years of wilderness wandering is that even though the 40 years was a punishment of God, in fact, part of that judgment was you're going to wander in the wilderness one year for every day you spied out the land. So they spied it out for 40 days and and the Lord brought judgment upon them one year for every day they spied it out and so for the last 40 years and yet, even though God was bringing judgment upon them for their disobedience, He was still merciful and graceful to them. Do not mistake the mercy of God. Do not mistake... The grace of God for God's approval in what you're doing. Don't get quiet on me now. They were living in disobedience to God. They were feeling the facts of the judgment of God in those 40 years. But didn't God feed them in the wilderness? Didn't God give them water to drink in the wilderness? In miraculous ways. Moses smote a rock and water came gushing out to water that whole crew. They were hungry and they woke up the next morning and God had rained manna down from heaven. And that manna did not stop coming from heaven until the day they crossed over into the promised land. God fed them, he watered them, he protected them, he even allowed them, made it so that their clothes and shoes, they were able to wear the same pair of shoes for that whole 40 years. I know some of you ladies wouldn't like that idea. But their shoes didn't even wear out for 40 years. And I thought they were experiencing the mercy of God and the blessings of God and the grace of God. But do not mistake that as the approval of God. And sometimes there are those who are sitting in our churches who know that they've been living in disobedience to the Word of God, of various things that are listed in the Word of God, and yet because God has been merciful to us, and because God has been gracious to us, we can sit there and the enemy will make us think everything must be okay spiritually when it's not. And so what we're going to see is this circumcision was a sign of repentance, but it's also a sign of reliance. Do you realize, if, I, if I'm Joshua, I'm probably going to be bargaining with the Lord a little bit, or maybe even whining to the Lord. I, if I'm Joshua, I'm thinking, Lord... Why didn't you give me that command yesterday when we were on the other side of the Jordan River when we were still in the wilderness before we get over here in the promised land where all of these Hittites, Hivites, Parasites, Jebusites and all these other were we're in their territory? And now you're wanting me to circumcise all the young men. Do you realize they're going to be incapacitated? Do you realize, Lord, that all of those who are going to experience this act is going to be everybody that's in my army? And we find out in chapter 4, verse 13, that they had 40,000 men ready for war, but they're going to be incapacitated physically. And Joshua's thinking, Lord... If these people in the land of Canaan find this out, we're going to be sitting ducks. If they come upon us at this time, do you realize what's going to happen, Lord? They will wipe us out. Lord, if you don't help us, we can't make this. And the Lord's probably grinning, saying, if I don't help you, you can't make it anyway. No wonder Solomon said, In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. I am pretty sure that when Joshua thinks about this, the possibilities of this scenario, of where his army is going to be incapacitated, I am pretty sure that his mind goes back to a time in the history of Israel of a story that they heard about that took place in Genesis chapter 34. In Genesis chapter 34, some of you may remember reading this story. It is a time when when the children of Israel are, they, uh, Judah has a wife. You remember Rachel and Leah, and Leah had given him some children, and he has a daughter by the by Leah. Her name is Dinah, and uh, Judah and his family and the people of Israel are placed where among the Hivites. And while they're there, Judah's daughter, Dinah, takes a walk and she gets acquainted with some of the ladies of the Hivites. And while she's getting acquainted with some of those ladies of the Hivites, the prince of the Hivites by the name of Shechem, his dad, Hamor, the king of the Hivites, and apparently Shechem sees Dinah, and he's really smitten with her. He really thinks she looks nice. He really wants to have her, so much so that he defiles her sexually. Word gets back to Judah, or Jacob, rather, I'm sorry. Word gets back to Jacob that his daughter Dinah has been defiled by this heathen man. And thinking, what am I going to do? Well, Jacob has two sons that are the brothers of Dinah, Simeon and Levi. And Jacob tells Simeon and Levi what happened, and Simeon and Levi are really upset that this heathen pagan man would defile their sister. So they're trying to think of a way to get back and get revenge. And here's the scheme that they concocted. Shechem sends his dad Hamor to come and talk to Jacob about what it would take for his daughter Dinah to marry his son Shechem. And so they start working that out. And Simeon and Levi come up with this plan. They said, here's what we'll do. We are among the circumcised and you are uncircumcised. And so if you want to join in with us and if you want to marry our women and let us marry your women, then the only way we would agree to do that is if you would be circumcised like we are. And Shechem wanted Dinah so badly as his wife that he talked his father, the king, into talking everybody else into agreeing to that. So all of the men of the Hivites agreed to be circumcised so that they could intermarry with these Israelite ladies. And the moment they performed that act, and just at the time that they were the most incapacitated, Simeon and Levi go throughout the tribe of the Hivites and wipe them all out. They kill them all and they're not even able to defend themselves. I am pretty sure that Joshua is thinking about that story. If Simeon and Levi could wipe out all of the Hivite men during that time that they were incapacitated from the circumcision, Lord, do you realize how vulnerable we're going to be? And some of the things, I think one of the things that we're learning especially in the last couple of years, of how vulnerable we really are and how fragile life is. And we need to understand something. I can't even walk without Him holding my hand. I need the grace of God and the help of God day by day, one day at a time. I need Him. I need Thee every hour. I need Him. Amen? And one of the things we need to learn, and and we're not careful, we are so independent, we're so affluent, and we have so much, we've been so spoiled with the things that we have, that we go through life almost as though we don't even need God until something happens in our life. There are too many folks in our churches that go throughout life, Monday through Saturday, in total disregard to God and His Word. And then we plop down in a church pew on Sunday morning and then say, okay, Lord, I need you today. Come and bless me. And then we act like He doesn't exist the rest of the week. This this act of circumcision was going to be a sign of repentance of 40 years of disobedience and it was going to be a sign of reliance. We are going to be totally at the mercy of God and we're going to have to trust Him to help us through this thing. Otherwise, we can't make it. And folks, I don't know if you've noticed what's going on in the world but it's in a tailspin. It is in a downward vortex going down about as fast as it can go and too many of our folks are getting sucked into that vortex and we need to rely on God. We can't rely on politics. We can't rely on the economy. We can't rely upon the social status and all of that other stuff. Folks, some of you have even learned you can't... looking around saying is there anybody I can rely on because some of you have had close friends and some of you have had relationships that have been broken and you couldn't rely upon them and the word this morning is yes there is one you can rely on it is time for us to look to him brother Sherman reminded us his name is Jesus this morning and so it's a sign of reliance on him It's also going to be a sign of renewal, a renewal of that covenant and that commitment with God. And I thought, would this morning be a good time for somebody to make a renewal of your commitment to God? Are your commitments to God up to date? Or are there things that you've made commitment to God with years ago, you kind of walked away from, you've been negligent to, you've been disobedient to, if we're going to move forward in victory, the word charge, go take the promised land, was not going to be given until the fulfillment of circumcision was. We're told in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, About this thing, it's a circumcision of the heart. Is there a work done in our heart that bears witness to the commitment that we've made to God? Joshua commanded that to be done. And all of those who were 40 years old and younger now have been circumcised, they're incapacitated there. But one of the things I love, and I'm going to to conclude with this part, because they're making this renewal, this covenant, that they were supposed to follow through with all along. And one of the things, going back to the book of Numbers chapter 14, when verse 12, when he said, I will smite them with the pestilence and disinherit them, in verse number 34, he said this, They shall know my breach of promise. They shall know my breach of promise. I want you to know something. It wasn't the fact that God had broken his promise with them. It was the fact that they had not been faithful to keep their promise to God. You See, when it comes to that covenant, it's a two-way street. God had made a covenant with them, but they also entered into a covenant with him. And they had not been faithful to keep their part of the covenant. And he said, you will know my breach of promise. And I wonder if some folks haven't been struggling with some things, not because God has not been faithful to you, not because God hasn't been merciful and gracious, but maybe it's because we haven't been faithful to our commitment and covenant with him, and we need to make a renewal of that commitment that we made one of the things that I love at the end of chapter five of Joshua Joshua must be feeling pretty alone right now he must be feeling pretty vulnerable he must be wondering Lord how my, my, my spiritual mentor is gone Moses is gone. My army's incapacitated. My peers have died in the wilderness. And it's just me and Caleb now. What are we going to do? And I love at the end of chapter 5, because at the end of chapter 5, Joshua is looking and he's gazing upon the city of Jericho. That first massive walled uh, hindrance that they're going to face. And he's standing there surveying the situation, maybe feeling so helpless and lonely. And all of a sudden, he lifts up his eyes and he looks, and there is a stranger standing next to him with a sword drawn. Now, if I'm Joshua, I'm looking for an exit door somewhere. But the amazing part of this is Joshua does not run from this individual. Joshua approaches this individual and he walks up to this individual who is unnamed. We only know him as the captain of the host of the Lord. Brother Tony, I can't help but think of the pre-incarnate Christ. He's standing there and Joshua walks up to him. Are you for us or for our adversary? And I can't help but wonder if he didn't clench his fist. He wasn't clenching his fist when he asked that. And this fellow gives the wrong answer. He's ready to lay somebody out. And that fellow says, nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, am I come. And Joshua recognizes he's in the presence of a divine presence. And he bows there and worships that one which lets me know this was not an angel that he was standing next to, because we're not encouraged to worship angels. Amen, Brother George. But he bows to this one. And I believe that what the Lord has done is in the moment of Joshua's uh, loneliness, in the moment of his feeling his vulnerability, that the Lord has dispatched his very son himself to come and say, Joshua, you're not in this battle by yourself. Uh, I've sent one uh, that's going to fight this battle for you. I'm going to help you. I'm here with you. As I watched over you the last 40 years, uh, I will. I want you to know, I will be with you in the days to come as well. And some of you, some of you need to renew that covenant with God and know that he will go with you in the days ahead. But some of you who've been faithful and obedient in the last years need to realize he's still with you. He's still going to help you. You're not in this thing by yourself, folks. Would you stand with me, please? Going to ask Brother Sherman to get a song for us. And I wonder, it could be that there may be a few of you, like Joshua and Caleb, you feel like you've been suffering because of other people's disobedience and, and you've been ready to go at it and ready to see God move and ready to gain territory. And, and the enemy has just discouraged you. The enemy is putting up these walls in front of you and the Lord just wants to remind you, hang in there he's with you, you're not in this thing by yourself but it could be that there's also some who's like some of those that needed to be circumcised a renewal a sign of repentance of disobedience sign of reliance that we need to learn to rely on God and not our own strength and not somebody else. A sign of renewal of our covenant with God. Is your covenant with God up to date? Father in heaven, as we sing this song, I pray that your spirit would speak and deal with Lord, if there's unfinished business, if there are those who are wanting to just march right on through life and they're wanting the victory, but they're not wanting, Lord, to settle unfinished business with you, may this morning be that morning. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Page
1: 151, 151. I wandered far, yes, yes, away from God.
0: Now Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Any commitments need to be renewed with God? Any disobedience need to be repented of? Need to come and just say, Lord, I need, I need to rely more on you. I've been trying to do things too much in my own strength. Rely on everything else except you. It's time I realize how much I need to rely on you. Brother Tony. I <laughs>
1: wasted
0: <laughs> men,
1: Brother George made an excellent statement when he exhorted us not to mistake the common grace, the goodness of God for the favor of God. God has been good to us. Been good to America. And there are millions and millions of people that fall into that category. They've got things, they've got blessings, life is easy. They got food in the refrigerator, they got clothes in their closet, they've got wonderful shelter. And it's too easy to mistaken material blessings for spiritual blessings but maybe it would be a good idea to just look back over the last year or two of your life and ask yourself have i have i been faithful to god in these last couple of years Have I done my best to worship him, to serve him, to witness for him, to live right? Have all my dealings with other people been square? You can do a quick survey. And if if anything in your life is not what it ought to be. Don't don't be mistaken, my friend. Don't be mistaken. And Brother George said this world, this country's in a tailspin. It's in bad shape. And you can read in your Bible, there was a time when every imagination of the heart of people was evil continually. And every man was doing that which is right in his own eyes. That's what's going on out here. It's worse than ever. But what's dangerous is that's all coming up before God as a stench in his nostrils. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to make the mistake thinking your common blessings is God's favor upon your life. You know whether you're doing right or wrong. We'll sing one more verse. God bless you. Listen, this is your preliminary judgment. God's given us an opportunity to set the record straight while we're still alive. If suddenly something happens and you leave this old world, what a tragedy to have been in Church of God services and spiritual services all over the country, opportunity after opportunity, and yet look back, well, I miss this revival and I miss that prayer meeting and I miss this thing and I miss that. Start looking, do a little history And then let the Lord maybe help you to come and make some adjustments. Hey, this is a beautiful message, folks. People don't hear this kind of preaching everywhere. This has been a visit from the Lord. So I leave it with you.